Mambo Vipi, what's happening? My name is Aniko Owoko and I am a lover of arts, culture and everything African. And here we grant you front row access to your favorite celebrities, creators, the biggest personalities and industry experts. Come with me, you're now a VIP. Hello and welcome to VAP Access. This is the third season of my podcast, VAP Access. This show has been in existence on YouTube from 2018. The companion podcast was birthed in 2021 and now we're rolling and not going to stop. I'm in Jersey and really amazed to be meeting this amazing artist sitting right next to me. He's a legend when it comes to Venda folk music. He's also an amazing songwriter, producer, composer and all-round storyteller. He's talking about his grandmother in his most recent album, and we want to go deep into that. Welcome, Munye. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. You know, when I first listened to your music and heard the language, I was like, this is not Zulu. Because from outside South Africa, we're so used to listening to Zulu, or it's something we can recognize easily. But when I had the Venda, it sounded to me a little bit like Shona. I don't know if I'm right that there's a similarity. So tell me about your language and your choice to sing in it. So I sing in Chivenda, which is the language that I obviously speak. And the interesting fact about that is that the, we're a minority in the country, I guess, like generally in Southern Africa. I think in South Africa, there's roughly between three to five million speakers. And we're all sort of like based in the northern side of South Africa. So there's lack of representation and media pretty much everywhere. So... Initially, when I was starting to write, I was actually just thinking, I'm writing for my grandmother, so let me write in a language that she understands since she didn't get to go to school or speak any other language. And, you know, while studying as well, you know, I realized that, like, just language preservation is an important part of my journey and my work, and I wanted to be intentional with that. So what I did while I was writing in that language and part of the choices I made was I wrote in a very specific dialect that sort of watered down. So because my granny didn't go to school, she speaks like this old dialect, you know, she's born in the 30s. It's not filtered, you know, there's no like, like, there's no English words in between. So yeah, that's sort of why I sing in, in Intervenda, you know, just to amplify the language. Wow, wow, wow. Oh my goodness. So amazing. And how was the record, you know, received across the country and the continent? Oh, it was very well received, funny enough. I think, you know, I expected to make one of those albums that are for you and your 13 people, you know, your little cult following. But funny enough, the response was so beautiful in that people would just say, hey, we don't know what you're saying, but we really relate to the emotion. And then by the time I would explain, if I'm at a show and I'm playing and I say, oh, this song is about this, people will usually just say, oh, I figured, you know, that sort of the emotion I felt. It was received really well. And it's been just so beautiful, you know, watching the, the music become part of people's lives and just sort of like, you know, have people have their own meaning while I have my own meaning. For me, the lesson I'm already taking from this is, I think at the end, it always pays to be you and to be authentic. You might think like no one is going to understand, but if you're true to yourself, someone is going to understand and maybe more people will understand. And so moving forward, this is you, you know, you're going to continue singing in Venda and folk or... Do you want to experiment and do other kind of, you know, languages and sounds? How far do you want to stretch this authenticity side that you, you know, uphold? Funny you should ask that because my latest project that is out is, you know, has some English in it and it's called um, For the Boys I Like. So, yeah. What are the boys you like? Hmm. <laughs> 
I don't know if we have time to mention everyone. This is VIP access, so if there's that one boy... You know yourself. I love you so much. I love you so much. So I want to talk to you about Makulu, the project that you made as an ode to your grandma. What are the other songs, individual songs, actually speaking about different topics to her? And uh, when you you know say it's an ode to your grandma, you know, despite the fact that the record sings in Venda, which she would understand. Are there specific songs that you wrote for her and told her specific messages? I think I just want to go into the theme of the album, the exact messages that you're trying to, you know, share in the different stories. It's one long story, I'd like to say. So, you know, the sort of the sub-theme for the album was lessons in loss, love and healing. You know, just looking at my grandmother's life, but like through my lens as well. So the first song is called Makulu, that the title track. And it's about like all the lessons that she taught me not growing up. Oh, don't do this, do that, go to school. And, you know, the bridge part just says, you know, it's me saying, like reflecting on what she's told me and me just saying, listen to your elders because they know more. And the second song is is about what not to do. You know, and my grandmother has this thing where she gives people excuses for their actions. You know, like the friends I grew up with, you know, there's always a mischievous person. She would just say, oh, no, there's a Chivenda saying that says, Beboyoshashata, which means that like, you can't help it. Something must have gone genetically wrong because we've raised you right. We've done everything. So it goes from me, like all these lessons, and it goes also to a heartbreak, you know, where we speak about the things that really break my grandmother's heart. Like when we all had to leave the house, I went to study. My aunt moved out to go live somewhere else. Like it was just her. And there's a song called Burudu, which means loneliness. And I would speak to her on the phone and she would describe this loneliness as a friend. Really? That's deep. And it's just me and loneliness in this house, you know, like that's my only companion. And then straight after that, we also have a song where I featured like an amazing artist, Zoe Mudicha, where I felt like I couldn't fully comprehend or be able to explain, you know, my grandmother's pain and healing as a woman, you know, and I felt like another feminine body would be able to hold that space. And this song just speaks about, you know, help has come and there's no more crying. Be still my heart, be still my soul. And that speaks really to the essence of my grandmother in her old age, where she's constantly just like reflecting on life and saying, my life might not have been the best one, but I have so much peace. And then there's also songs about like love. You know, I try to imagine like falling in love as me, but like what would that have looked like if I'd lived in that time? But like, because I know this person and I know the stories they tell, I could paint a picture using their context. And as the album finishes, just before the healing song, Bizo, which I've mentioned, there's a part where she, there's a snippet of her singing where she's saying, my heart is sore, my heart is sore. And I close off the album with a song called Mvura, which means rain, um, only because my grandmother only rested when it rained. You know, like, otherwise it were working. Even though she'd be in the garden doing this, and then when, when it would rain, you know, she'd boil some peanuts and would just rest. And for me, it's also just a metaphor that, you know, rain for her maybe maybe the fact that her knees don't work so well, so she can't do much. And I always say, people always think it's dark, but also I think rain also means that one day when she's not there, you know, that then she would have rested because I think she's had such a full life full of beautiful moments and hurtful ones. But then I've sort of encompassed, you know, all these lessons in loss, in love and in healing. In this. What an artist you are, Monye. <laughs> Thank you. Goodness, you just took me through this beautiful journey, you know, a journey where you were painting the pictures and, I could hear the poetry and I could meet this grandmother and listen to her and see her working. You just really have a way with how you just put out your art and words. It's so powerful. Wow. 
And your music also gives me a really good vibe in terms of live music performance. You must be an amazing live music performer. It must be a really great representation of your music when you're actually performing it live. So tell me about the interpreting the recorded music into live. Funny, again, like because I had to fundraise for the album, I started by playing the music live before I even had the album out which became so tricky, you know, because sometimes what you sing on stage and what can be recorded in studio, I never like that. Yeah. But for me, the stories are like human beings. You know, they're like us. They are stories, so they, they have our identity. And sometimes when I sing Makuru, everyone dances and we're all celebrating all these lessons. And sometimes we all just sit there and reflect. And my performance style is just being honest about where I am at that moment. And also just easing into the energy. Like, I always tell my music director that, you know, we must have a, a set that's malleable. We can't just have a rigid, we start here, we finish here. You know, we're not pop stars. And we love pop stars. Listen, we love Britney Spears. You're like, give it to me one more time. You know, lights out, lights off. But I always love to get on stage and just take the energy in. And then maybe I'll nudge at the music director that, hey, maybe let's start with song number three because... That's the energy that's in the room. Or sometimes it's the complete opposite. You walk into a space and you can tell the energy is not the type of energy you want to sustain. Then we say, okay, let's do this and maybe bring the energy up. Let's bring the energy down. But for me, it's just about honoring the work, you know. Songs have healed. And as an African, you know, we've carried our history and our stories through song and our traditions and culture and healing and I, I don't take it lightly uh, but at the same time I also think nothing is that serious you know we can all just sit there around the fire and listen to the sorrows and it could mean to you what it means to you or it can soothe you or you can be entertained or forward you're allowed to feel anything that's how I approach it in your expert opinion you know what are the five tips you would give to artists who are trying to create a record and incorporate you know traditional languages in it i think tip number one conviction you know like what do you believe in like what's your thing and secondly your story what are you trying to tell and i think the third thing is are you prepared to tell that story and own it because once you record that thing in the digital age whether you post and delete it someone has has it saved somewhere is it a story you're willing to live with and the fourth thing is also just technical preparedness like are you can you own it you know are you prepared enough as a singer maybe as a musician are you practicing and also the fifth thing is be okay with letting goals once you put the art out you can't control the narrative one day i want to talk a little bit more about your latest project boys i like that is already out there i love the project really different vibes but still i see the money in it Tell me about the choice of collaborators in this project. Take me through individual songs and how is it doing so far? So funny, I keep saying that because everything is funny to me. <laughs> Most of the collaborators are the people I like, not necessarily the people who sang like and what people are listening to, but just the music is all inspired by real life people mm -hmm. and real life instances that are sort of interconnected in a way. So, for example, the single that came out um, a few months ago, which was leading up to the EP drop called Nianifuna, I wrote with this amazing musician called Kozo Zwane. And how I wrote the song, that was me just saying, I really like you. Um, the lyrics literally say that, like, I like you, but I don't want to say it in language you understand. 
you know? And then he responded by, you know, singing in a different language, saying, you know what, you might be singing in a different language, but I understand and I like you too. It was like such a beautiful, sweet, romantic moment. And, you know, there's like a song like Uncertain where I think that song was like the arc of the story where like the collaborator is someone who's in my life that I love so dearly. But at the time he was going through something and he wasn't communicating and I wasn't sure what was going on. And I was for the first time feeling uncertain about something I had never felt uncertain about. But like the uncertainty, I also wanted the sonic to sort of shock me as well. So if you've heard, it's very like rocky. It's got this hectic punk rock approach to it. And also just to share the frustration. And then there's a song called My P, which means words, which is like my heartbreak song. I wrote it the morning of my heartbreak before the heartbreak happened. Like sometimes you just know. And I collaborated with amazing people. Like you've heard Tandin Dooley's on the song. And I think, you know, for you would think that like I would have probably just thought, oh my gosh, Tandy, let's make an amazing jazz record. You know this stuff. But part of the choices, like I said, I made with this very specific body of work was to try show people how different I am, but also while also just sharing like these very raw feelings about myself because people know me as the wholesome guy who sings about his grandmother and that's cute, but I also fall in love, so... You know, hence for the boys I like. Where do you get this confidence to express yourself? I mean, all of it, you know, it's beautiful. I love it. I don't know. I'm not scared of my feelings. I'm more scared of not feeling than I am of feeling. And I feel a lot and I express my feelings a lot because I don't want to go home and think, should I have said that? You know, I'd rather say stuff and think, maybe I could have said it differently, but I didn't. Maybe that was my reflex at the time. I don't think generally out in the world, I'm a super confident person. Not that I'm timid or anything, but I don't think I'm the life of the party. But I think when it comes to expressing my feelings, especially through art. And that's exactly what I see. You might not be the most confident to everyone in every situation, but in terms of expressing your feeling, you're a king. Thank you. And also, I think I exist like that. I can't help but just be like that. I think I exist like that also just for, for other people like me. I think a lot of artists, even like in Joburg, the artists whose music I love, which is colorful and heavily expressive. Like when I meet them in person, I'm like, I see why. Like a lot is happening in your head. You know, the chaos you can hear, but the person is just sometimes very just relaxed. So yeah, just for all the the soft, super expressive kids. What kind of music are you listening to, you know, that you like and what these artists you love to listen to? Funny, I don't listen to a lot of music. I don't think it's my first love in terms of art to consume. What are you consuming then? Visual art. Like I have more painter friends than musician friends. But I mean, I do have music that I listen to. It's mostly just sad white girls. Lizzie McAlpine, I think that's how I'm saying her name. You know, like just stay with their guitars. Like, oh, why did you leave me? I'm like, I get it. Says, why did he leave you? And I love, 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 love African music as an African person. So when I'm not listening to my sad white girls, you know, I'm listening to Ndabo Zulu, Zoe Mutika, listening to Bonds as well, you know. Zulu. You know, and they listening to Thesis, love them so much, listening to Msaki, listening to King Ta. A whole variety of music. Like, it's not a lot, but I have my little 
nine albums that I constantly play and with, with the jazz ones, like I've gotten to a point where I know all the solos now, I, I sing along. But I'm not a new Music Friday type person where I don't know what's out there. I don't know what came out this past Friday. I don't know what's coming out next Friday. And sometimes... Ignorance is bliss. You choose to listen to your own music that you curate, right? Definitely. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to ask about, you know, this beautiful career that you have, beautiful music you're writing and interpreting into live performances. Have you had a chance to perform in other parts of the continent or beyond? And are there plans to, you know, bring yourself to, you know, the rest of Africa, maybe East Africa, to my country in Kenya? You know, we really love live music. You know, South African music is dope music. And we just love great performers. So I'm very curious to know if we could get you sometime or what's the plan, you know, to spread your wings further. I love performing. Everyone knows that. And I haven't really had a chance to play outside of the country much. I have done a few of my shows in the previous year in, I think I did two shows when I was in Moz, in Maputo, and that was great. And I'm constantly like looking forward to playing in other places, be it in Swaziland. I mean, I would love, love, love to come to Nairobi. I would love to play in the rest of the continent. Firstly, even a lot of artists on the continent, you know, want the European dream. You know, we all want Euros. Well, they're probably stronger than our African currencies. But I would love, love, love to come play in Nairobi. That's amazing. That It's so nice to say the say no more. After this, we have to talk to Jess and Akum Agency. They got to make this happen. I would love, love, love. Yeah. I think one important thing that I did not ask you yet and I would like to ask you before we wrap up the interview is just how you grew up. So where did you grow up? And I think if I read correctly, you grew up you know, with your grandmother very present, you know, teaching you a lot of life lessons. So I would love for you to take me back to, you know, the background of growing up, your inspirations. And I think that is what shaped, you know, the person who we're seeing today, the person who's unapologetic about expressing himself and feeling what he's feeling and sharing his feelings. So tell me about, you know, the context. I grew up in a small village called Chilapene, which is maybe 20 kilometers outside of Poyendo, which is a small town in Limpopo, the capital city is Pulukwane, just like giving you geographical context. And Pulukwane is roughly 250 kilometers from Johannesburg, and Vemba is double the distance away. And I grew up in this very beautiful small village with my grandmother, and she maybe overly babied me. You know, she didn't want me to go to preschool, she would rather take me to the orchard. And I had a really simple upbringing, you know. And part of that is, you know, we grew up in this little house that had no electricity, no running water. Like I'd go fetch water, would use lamp. And only by the time I was a teenager, that's when we had power. I think that also informs the me not listening to music because, you know, I didn't really have like a record player or... But I was raised by my grandmother until I was 18 because my mom had me when she was young. She had to go to school, get her life. So when I was 18, I went to study. I studied around Vanda. And then when I was 19, I moved to the city and I took a gap year. Then I studied. But yeah, my childhood was just mostly me and my grandmother. You know, there were other people in the house, but, you know, some people were younger than me. There was also my aunt, but it was just mostly my, like my grandmother just sort of, you know, shaping this human being. And did you have a chance to also connect with your mother, you know, later in life? Is she proud of you? Does she listen to your music? What does she think about, you know, her son now? 
think she fully gets it. I think. <laughs> and not like. But grandmother gets it. Yeah, my grandmother has always been like, hey, you do what you love, but please explain. You know, explain not so that you can convince me, but explain so I understand because I don't know. So she'd always say, okay, you dropped out. What does that mean? And I say, it means I won't be finishing my university studies. Then she would say, does that mean you don't ever want to study? Then I said, no, I'm just going to take a year break. Then I'm going to go study something else. And it's like, oh, I understand. Whereas with my mom, because she's young also, she's just like, are you sure you want to do this? Don't you want to do something else? Love the song, by the way, but are you sure? You know, but I think she's gotten to a point where now she respects my decisions as a grown up and there's never really been any resistance. And, you know, occasionally I'll open WhatsApp and I'll see a screen grab of her playing my song. So, yeah, yeah. I'm much closer to my grandmother. My my mother feels like my older sibling. <laughs> so we do catch up, but you know, like I if something is happening, my speed dad is my grandmother, like, hey, this is what happened. But yeah, we, we connect and she she loves the music. And what's the music scene like, you know, in South Africa? Because a lot is happening, you know, in Josie, in Cape Town, in Durban. You know, are you getting to play around? Are you happy with the opportunities presented to you as an artist and to other artists? in the industry, what's the word on the ground? You know, are artists happy with the industry as it is now or what else needs to be done or undone? I don't like this industry and I'm not ashamed to say it. Yeah, I mean, I exist in it, but I think it's such a terrible space to exist in because there's very little quality control, unfortunately. By quality control, what do you mean? So tricky to answer because, you know, I respect all art and I think all art has a place in the world. Like for me, quality control means if we're saying this is a jazz festival, then can we at least get actual like people who do that and whose work we see as that? Whereas I think I always saw people that like we live in like a TikTok era that where even like someone who's not necessarily a jazz musician just because, you know, they will run the sales. And I guess sure commerce is great, but I also believe that like if you really put together a great lineup of people who do what they do well, those people who enjoy that will come for that so specifically in Joburg you know like you'll go to a show and there'll be amazing acts and then there'll also be like a random act like a random very popular person act where you're like mm, I don't know man maybe just put out hits and play them on radio no no shade but it's also something that's very close to my heart because for me I'm concerned about like 20 years from now when we look back you know what are we gonna see because I mean I think it's a global problem also because if you look well, I'm I'm a nineties baby, so like the songs I was listening to like on radio as a late teen, you know, maybe like in varsity, I think they were very good songs and like if they are played now, like they have replay value. Whereas like I feel like a lot of the music that I hear now, like on the main platforms, there's no replay value. Like it's a hit for three weeks and maybe there's nothing wrong with that, but it really affects people who put time into doing what they're doing. Not because they're trying to make a radio hit that's going to pass the weeks by, but like they're trying to make something that really matters. And like, again, you know, music for me is not just for entertainment. You know, it's about reflecting the times, like what's happening. It's about, you know, like raising awareness around certain issues. But if there is no quality control of the output and directing that output, then it's sort of like, might as well not do it. But I hope that things eventually get better. I think if a space gets overly saturated, then like we're then forced to then like properly nitpick like, okay. But for now, I think it's just going up. It's spreading up in flames terribly. 
What an amazing individual, artist, and storyteller. It's been such an honor to see you, to meet you, to talk with you, Munyei, and to understand exactly why you cherish, you know, your language vendor. And not just the language, but just using art to tell stories. I love that you're such a storyteller. Like, even looking at you, it's kind of like I see a story. So you are so amazing. I'm so thankful for having to speak to you. What do you want to tell the people who are listening, you know, who are fans of yours or who haven't known about you, but they just discovered you today? Well, firstly, thank you for having me. And thanks for supporting. Thanks for loving the art. And yeah, keep doing it. Thank you. Auntie Sana. Guys, it's a wrap right here at VAP Access. I'm here in Jersey with Munye, such an amazing performer, artist. Please go on to every social media platform and all the digital streaming platforms and listen to his album, Makulu. For the boys, I like is also out there. It's been such an honor and a pleasure to speak to him. I will be back next week with yet another amazing artist. This is VIP Access. Remember, I'm always taking you behind the scenes to meet the superstars you love, the storytellers, and they're telling us the journey to becoming who they are today and how they manage to be as successful as they are. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Let's meet right here next week again. Bye-bye.